Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hello everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast. Today I am sat down with Dylan Easley. All you know him as the meme lord, uh, usually on the receiving end of it all. Uh, but yeah. here we're, we're actually going to get to know him some. Uh, Dylan, can you go ahead talk about yourself some? You're probably really good at that. I, you, would, you would think I'd be really good at it. Um, so I uh, started in three again in 2012. Uh, as some people have heard the story. Started with Mark McSorley. He talked me to go in my first match. We got absolutely slaughtered. Uh, we turned around, got the opportunity to range officer for the Midwest three gun that same year. Um, decided I was going to shoot heavy tack ops, took dead last. And in uh, after getting our butts whipped for about three or four months in a row, uh, I kind of caught the bug pretty good. We bought a bunch of steel targets. We had some of them made because we didn't know where to buy them. Uh, practice like crazy, everything else. And now I'm the butt of a lot of jokes on three gun memes. Uh, so you said you started out and I, I was the same way finishing dead last or, you know, down at the bottom. Uh, and it wasn't really until I'd say I got to the shooting team where I actually learned how to train, how to properly train. And I had people watching me, coaching me, um, how did you take that approach? Because let's be real, you're a phenomenal shooter. You're finishing top marks all the time. Um, how did you change that around? I, I wish I had a, uh, a great lesson plan people could follow. Um, I, I'm, I'm located here in Kansas City, and I did not know, number one, when I started shooting pre-gun, I didn't know what USPSA was. So I didn't know about shooting pistol matches. Didn't know that I could go shoot pistol matches, learn how to shoot a pistol. Um, so I, you know, I drove two and a half, three hours to go to a club match and then went back the next month. Um, I spent an exorbitant amount of money on ammo and eventually reloading stuff, um, steel targets and setting up my range, everything else. I, I had a pretty decided advantage. Um, when I grew up, I grew up on a cattle farm. And so back when I used to do, you know, four wheelers and motorcycles and stuff like that, I had, you know, motocross track well right around where the motocross track was well guess what we built a range so i kind of had the uh the free reign to kind of put that in and, and put it on the family farm and and be able to practice and essentially what mcsorley and i kind of did um we went through and you know when we were shooting and just having fun we shot and did things that we thought we were good at right so our first match we showed up to like that ah, nobody knows us nobody knows who's going to show up and kick their ass right they're going to be asking who those guys were. And then, of course, we got absolutely decimated and humbled in a very good way. Um, so we went home and it was like, what did we suck at? Because we were really, really bad at a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, my, my first shotgun was a Mossberg 590A1 with a fixed a cylinder choke. Mm -hmm. There was a spinner there. I went box of shells trying to spin it. Never finished the stage. Never 
on time. So you can't shoot with a rifle. Uh, but I still have that spinner on the range and I still shoot it to this day. I mean, it's what, nine years old and I still beat the piss out of that thing. Um, that being said, we bought one and then a Texas star. Well, I might as well have one of those made too, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got our, our butts kicked on it. So we kind of took the approach that if we were really, really bad at something, we were going to practice it. And so, you know, a lot of, I would go dual dealing on everything if we had to deal or get down low. And then you were missing stuff like crazy. So we kept practicing. Somebody finally showed us how to reverse needle. And it was like, oh, my God, this is amazingly stable. Uh, But it was little bits and pieces at a time. I mean, at the end of 2013, I shot Blue Ridge. Uh, I did not finish real well. You know, I was 13th or 14th in like tack iron or something like that. I think that's Um, most people in, in Blue Ridge. You know, the first time you go there, you don't know what to expect. No, no. It's it's just kind of a weird anomaly. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a different match. You know, Blue Ridge is a match that's probably, you know, if it was happening today, we'd probably still never fill up. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have that same 120 to 150, maybe 170 that are going to show up. And there's going to be a revolving 10 to 20 people who are new, who some are going to stay forever and they're never going to leave that match because they love that format and that style. And some yeah. are going to be like, I'm never back. Right. Um, because yeah. it was physically hard. Um, there was kind of a hardcore approach to ROs. So the ROs, you know, like they have a way of doing things and just shut up and push through it. You're going to be fine. You know, you go through and drop your, your stuff on the ground. The RO is going to stand there. You don't get to leave your, your shotgun caddies behind, pick it up. You know, I watched um, Kim Lepnan from Finland comes over and shoot with, shot with us for like three months. And then we go through and we're shooting that one as one of the last ones before he, you know, before he was going to be done shooting for the year. And he drops his chest rig on the ground. And they're like, you can't leave that here. You have to carry it. So he shot the whole thing with it tucked under his chin, shooting a shotgun and loading a shotgun with his chest <laughs> rig under his chin because you have to take it to the end of the stage. Yeah. For some people, that was, you know, like, no, nah, we're not doing this. Uh, for other people, it was like, man, this is awesome. Nobody else does this. Um, I, to this day, I think it would still have the same people shooting it. You're right, um, because I heard that match three times, and it's usually the same cult following every single time. And, and I, I enjoy that style. I like the natural terrain. I'm not – great at natural terrain because we we just don't practice it like you said it's an anomaly um but it takes a realistic approach to where if you're in that type of if you're in an environment combat environment if you're a cop you're not just going to leave your stuff on the ground you're not just going to abandon your stuff um and i i i appreciated that for what it was now do i like everything else absolutely do I like base stuff? Yes, but I like switching stuff up too. Well, and that, that's kind of one of the things I've, I've heard over and over. is like, well, you know, like I, I prefer bay matches. Okay. Well, I prefer natural terrain. Okay. What do you prefer? I prefer matches. Yeah. I yeah. want to pull triggers. And I want to have fun. Yeah. And I can do that on a bay shooting something where you're going to make me stand there and think about how I'm going to shoot it. Or I can do it in a natural terrain one where I'm going to have to run 100 yards during the stage. I, I don't care. I just, you know, my thing, if I show up to it, I, I want it to be fair. You know, I want, I want to have an equitable chance, right? So I want the way the decisions are made to be done correctly. And then, like, I want targets. Mm-hmm. These are my two big requirements. As long as it's equitable and I'm getting to shoot, I'm pretty damn happy. Yeah. I don't care if it's national terrain. I don't care if it's a Bay match. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I've said for a long time, I think one of the most fun things we could do in 3-Gun is do a part-time match. And I mean, legit part-time, like here's a stage, 
right? Every single stage, you're going to start with your shotgun. You can immediately dump it if you want and then move on to your pistol if your rifle, if you think it's an advantage. But your score at the end of the match is the number of targets you got, right? You're That's not cool. going to ever have enough time to clean a stage. Mm-hmm. And so that might mean that the stage, you have 13 seconds on this stage and you can get 20 targets. Okay, cool. I think it would be a blast. You'd have to do more stages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it would, there, there's going to be some different aspects to it, but I think there's definite ways to do that. And it would still be fun because if it's still the same equitable aspect for everybody, there's not going to be some like broken prop some people deal with and a broken prop that other people get it fixed, right? You know, we're mm-hmm. going to do the same thing for everybody. You can't do anything about weather. You can't do anything about the angle of the sun. I get that, but equitable and give me targets. Yep. And hey, let's go have fun, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you have planned for the rest of the season now? I know you're, so, you're recovering. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, if if the sports med doc ever ever listens to this, I'm probably going to get in trouble a little bit. But uh, rehab on the knee, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Switching gyms and doing a different type of workout. Uh, we're kind of scaling things and modifying workouts, and it's actually been going pretty well. Um, if for anybody who hasn't seen Three Gun Memes, where they've actually skull drug me through the coals. Um, <laughs> I, I tore my PCL on my knee and also strained my patellar tendon and have a pretty nasty bone bruise on both my femur and my um, tibial plateau. So uh, it's kind of painful. Um, range of motion is a little crappy right now, and I'm really not even cleared to start running until next week. That being said, with the scaled workouts, everything else, I was able to uh, back squat 365 for five reps on a knee that I'm not supposed to bend past 90 degrees. Um, been able to do deadlifts, clean snatch, stuff like that. Um, and I've been able to uh, use the salt bike and be able to get some exercises there and on a row machine. I haven't run yet because I'm, I don't want to have the impact on a bone bruise, but Let's rehabbing it. Um, Let's be I, real. I think Guys like us don't like running. No, I'm not built for running. Um that being said, uh, I'm signed up to shoot Gen 3 gun, uh, Mission 22, a Memorial 3 gun, and the Vortex shootout down in Texas. So those are those are my last four currently scheduled matches for the year. Now, a very good chance that I'm going to try to get into something like a GA Precision PRS match, local Kansas City. And then I did shoot a 22 PRS match there as well and was surprisingly a lot of fun. I, yeah, I bought a CZ 457. I didn't really do anything to it. It's fun. No, it's, it's, uh, it's to me, it's golf with no alcohol. Yeah. I mean, we, we literally spent, we we were on the range for three hours and I think we talked trash for three and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, I shot a hundred rounds total out of a 22 and it was a lot of fun. And we literally just spent the majority of the time doing the same things we do three again while we're resetting, but we didn't ever touch a target. Yeah. Um, so if, if you don't, if you don't have friends there and you're, or if you're not a, you know, if you're a bit of an introvert and you don't want to talk to people, um, you're going to have to find something to do between your chances to shoot. Cause you're going to be sitting by yourself quietly for a while. But if you're an extrovert and you like dealing with people and you like talking, hanging out and talking trash, everything else, and giving people a hard time, man, it was great. Give it a uh, shot. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, especially I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say PRS or 22 PRS is cheap because it's far from it. Mm-mm. You know, my CZ 457 has a four and a half to 27 razor on top. 
Uh, silencer on the front and a 30 MOA Area 419 base and a uh, Area 419 Universal Arco rail on it. Not cheap. Now that they've no. come out with a chimney trigger for that gun, damn it. I, we, we, um, we discussed that through the internet today. Yeah. Yeah, the guys at 419 won't, won't leave my bank account alone. Uh, I both thank them and hate them for that. So, uh, but, but that being said, you know, shooting a CZ457 bone stock, with a, a game changer bag from getting gear, you can go do it. Oh like, yeah. It, it's not going to stop you. And, and I mean, you're not shooting. I mean, we shot to like 140 yards. Yeah. Now the target was like, you know, like a post-it yep. at 140 yards, but it was 140 yards with a 22 with like a seven to 10 mile an hour crosswind. Yep. Uh, not I mean, an easy shot. it's no, not an easy shot. And, you know, let's be honest. If you really want to get good at shooting a pistol, you need to go shoot a USPSA match, right? Yep. If you want to get good at shooting some long range, you might want to go try PRS or even like a 22 PRS, you know, learn how to deal with wind and learn how to get stable in a position. So you can chalk it up to being rifle practice if you want. You can go have a good time and get both out of it. Well, it's like uh, out here, you know, we have the Quantico Shooting Club match and they'll do PRS and I'm I've only done one 22 PRS match just because my schedule is all over the place. Um, but we shot out to 260 yards. Uh, I want to say it was a 12 inch target and you're constant. Like I did holdovers for that stage, but we were switching from 180 target, then shooting a 260 yard target yeah. back and forth, 12 shots. And it's like, Okay. I see how it is. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're dialing that, uh, for anybody who hasn't shot a lot of 22 for long range, when you go to dial the difference between like 180 and 260 or something like that on there, you're dialing a lot of difference on that scope because yeah. that bullet's dropping fast. Uh, I shot my CZ 457 out to, I think it was 450, and we were shooting out to 880 and, and stuff with our three-gun rifles, just making sure we had good dope on them at distance and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a chest plate sitting at, at 450 with like a 10 to 15 mile an hour crosswind. And it was like, I ran, I ran out of elevation yeah. with a four and a half to 27 razor with a 30 MOA base. So it's already handed down, but I ran out of elevation, had to hold, I think like another nine to 11 mils high. And then I'm holding, you know, I'm shooting at an angle like this. So the bullet can drop back in and make an impact. And, you know, you're shooting off what seems like absolutely insane. And then you break a shot and a clean piece of steel ends up with a mark in the center and somebody starts laughing. And then about a second or so later you hear a tink, yep. you know, it's like, well, let's do that again, you know? And, um, and that's the equivalent of shooting a uh, 308 at over a thousand yards. I mean, yeah. you're getting yeah. real long range practice. I mean, yep. and it all comes down to fundamentals. Oh yeah. And I'm not going to tell you it was cheap on the ammo either. Cause you know, good 22 ammo is $25 to 50 cents a piece. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. so I was shooting uh, some SK rifle match that I can't even find right now. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I was spending at least a quarter every time I pulled the trigger. So it wasn't like it was cheap. Um, but if I were to turn that into, you know, practice, you know, you kind of mentioned like, how do you get better and stuff? If I were going to turn that into practice with a, with an AR and I was going to try and do things on a budget, man, I've got a bunch of old Winchester M22 meant for like a 22 AR. Mm. I could go through and clone my three gun rifle or get a, a simple upper, you know, and then kind of a, 
you know, put a strike eagle or something on it, something that's going to be close enough to my, my razor one to 10. And I could still probably sit there with a 22 with like a five inch target at 50 yards and, you know, drop into position, hit it, drop into position, hit it, stand off hand, hit it. And I could probably save a pretty substantial amount of money in practice and get reps in for that. You know, the only thing that matters on that one is making that hit, not, um, you know, not going through and worrying so much about speed, because if you ever watch any of the top guys shooting long range, it's not a rush to get that first shot off. No, they're the guys taking their time building up position. Yes. Yeah. And and if, if there's any sport that's really good at building that position, it's going to be PRS. Yep. I mean, it's kind of like I said, if you're going to, if you're going to get better at pistol, go shoot, uh, go shoot USPSA, mm-hmm. regardless if there's a cultural difference between USPSA or three gun, or if there's a difference between three gun and PRS and there is cultural differences with all of them, mm-hmm. you know, go, go to where people specialize in that thing and go learn what they learn. And all of a sudden everything changes yeah. and you learn real quick, you know, you find your deficiencies. You know, I, uh, I scored out out of a hundred shots. I hit 67. That means I missed 33 shots with a 22 yep. inside of 150 yards. Yep. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, um, I, I failed 33 times. Um, and a lot of them were just the fact that my position was not the greatest compared to some of the guys who've been doing this more. Yeah. And, you know, and they've I, got some other tricks, but, you know, you just put a thought in my head with that. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I went through an FBI carbon instructor course uh, and it was kind of really interesting. And they're talking about, you know, they don't do hammered pairs. They only do controlled pairs. And, you know, when we miss a target, we don't really think, okay, yeah, we missed a target. We took a follow-up shot. Um, When you're in that environment, every shot counts because if you didn't hit your target, like you have to account for every bullet. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we go through uh, the only time we ever worry about a bullet is if it leaves the range. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if that bullet clears the berm or that bullet happens to be going in the wrong direction or is accidentally chucked into the ground in front of a shooter, you know, we worry about the location where that bullet goes, but if it hits the back burn or hits the side of a hill next to a long range target, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's also the difference between talking about like a, a sport where we, you know, like in three gun, we purely talk about what was your time. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get your time plus your penalties, but what was your time? What was your total time on that stage after penalties? Like, Oh, it was 75. Oh man, that's burning. All right. Well, there might've been 16 makeup shots on it. Okay, well, yeah, but we were doing this as a sport where the speed is what matters. You know, if, if we jump over to USPSA where all of a sudden the hits matter on paper and it's like every one of those makeup shots you take takes away from your points per second, right? Yep. Well, all of a sudden those misses start to matter. Yeah. And then if we talk about PRS, you don't get, you don't get to make makeup shots. Mm-hmm. Some of the stages are like there's targets one through five. You shoot each one of them twice, hit or miss, period. Yeah. You don't get to go through and sit there and spend, a, you know, a, a 30 round mag trying to hit the target. No, you got 10 shots. That's all you get. Your score is how many you hit total. Yep. And, and you got to make it count. And so, you know, it's hard for a lot of guys like me who shoot three gun. You got 10 rounds. All right. We well, got 90 seconds. All right, man. I hit four. My God, man, I missed six of them. Like, yeah, but dude, look how much time you got left, right? You got 90 seconds to shoot and you got, 60 seconds left now. Like, ah, it's a different pace to this game, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, that's, it's one of the things like, like Garrett Grover and I will shoot together and 
you know, him being sniper in the military, everything else, like, oh man, I hit that long range shot, a long range shot on the first shot. I'm like, yeah, but I took four and I still beat you. And, you know, like, I'll give him crap or something like that. And I'll give him a hard time. But, you know, hey, with his background, no, it's a point of pride that he hit it on the first shot. He yeah. didn't have makeup shots. And I mean, when we shot the Vortex Extreme together, one of the years we went through, they had like a 1400 yard target. He hit it on the first shot. And I think he hit it on the second shot. And I think he was the only person in the entire match that hit it on the first shot. Well, as a team, that gained us three points. Mm-hmm. The second one gained us one point, and I missed it both times. So we got zero from me. Mm-hmm. But that means no other team got those three points. It was it was a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, different different games will build different skills. So you're obviously a popular guy on Three Gun Memes. Uh, <laughs> or infamous, however you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep the masses appeased? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you this. Here, here's kind of the funny thing. I, I kind of had a running joke with uh, somebody when Three Gun Memes started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it started everything else. I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing that could ever happen. Can you imagine all the sponsors are going to sit back and they know exactly who not the sponsor based upon who posts <laughs> and who makes comments there, right? And so I go through and, and like I was kind of the butt of a joke, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, man, I'm in the group. I kind of, you know, like it was funny, like mildly offensive in a good way. You know, like I, you're, I've got thick skin. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, and so I kind of brought it up to one of my buddies who works at one of the sponsors. It's like, he goes, I mean, as long as you're not really putting anything out there super offensive to where we have to have a conversation about it, like who cares? I'm like, all right, game on. Like I get to, I get to be myself. Um, I kind of found out that what's the best way to put it? My stock rose the less that I gave a shit about what other people thought. Yep. So if I think it's funny and I reply that it's funny or I even throw some comments in there and I, that I think it's funny or I might even throw a little dig in there about Texas barbecue or something else, mm-hmm. um, it, it's fine. You know, if I go through and start posting some really questionable stuff, something else, I'm probably going to really piss somebody off. And I'm sure there's plenty of people I have pissed off. Yep. Um, if, if I did piss them off, just please know from the bottom of my heart, I don't care. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, for all the people that have a little of entertainment from it, everything else, dude, laugh. I laugh, too. Um, I, I'm not there to, uh, to make everybody happy. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to enjoy my life and, and laugh with friends. And hopefully most of you are laughing with me or at me. I really don't care. I, I think uh, I, I take the same approach. Uh, I don't consider myself uh, necessarily funny half the time. I'm always kind of just serious. But one thing I'm good at is making fun of myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm really good at that. And I'll point out the obvious sometimes. Oh, I'm Irish. Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, I have a tiny penis, whatever. Something yeah. like that. Uh, but it's like, if you can, if you don't take things serious or if you can't learn to take uh just not take things seriously and just yeah. have fun with it then why are you you're here? not gonna last long in the sport if you can't yeah i, I mean, mean there are people who have been i don't want to say run out of the sport or anything like that but people who don't show their face too much anymore because they can't take a joke mm-hmm. and and i would tell you, you know like for for me one of the things i'll tell you i stopped being serious about stuff a long long time ago mm-hmm. um i was the guy who would go through and like if you didn't like me it really bothered me like it legitimately really bothered me. I didn't understand why you didn't like me. And I would, you know, I, I might lose sleep over it. Like yep. now, oh, you don't like me? Well, cool. You know, I sleep face down so that you don't have to wake me up to kiss my ass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this works great for both of us. Uh, w- but with that in mind, like, it's not that I don't 
care what anybody thinks. It's like, hey, you're going to think what you're going to think, but I'm not going to let it affect anything in my life. And, and I'm not going to take the time to go talk to you and try yeah. to sort it out. I, I'm not typically speaking. I'm not going to change your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, like like before we were talking, I, I mentioned like there's a there's a guy that DQ'd at a match I was running like six years ago, five, six years ago, and still to this day does not like me because I made the call as a range master, match director that, yeah, dude, you DQ, right? Mm-hmm. I still don't even know who the guy is. All I know is that some of the local guys go like, yeah, this guy doesn't like me. I don't care. Dude, I, I'm sorry that you, you're upset about it, about something that happened that long ago. I'm not going to try to change it. If I made the decision, I didn't make it because I don't like you. I made it because you screwed up and you broke a rule and that's what happens. Uh, but, you know, back when it happened, I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that somebody really doesn't like me? Like, what did I do wrong? Well, you DQ'd him. Well, how many total people could I have DQ'd? I can't even think of a single person. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm not going to make a decision based upon like, oh, uh, you got a jersey on, you're not DQ'd. You don't have a jersey on, you are DQ'd. No, like I wouldn't have made that decision. And it's like, well, I'm not going to appease this guy in any way. Yeah. So I'm just not going to worry about it because there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to like me tomorrow. He's not going to be my friend, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. to this day, I still don't know who the guy's name is. So I don't care. And when, I, when, I, when I started looking at that and like realizing that, hey, not everything has to be taken seriously. And oh, by the way, you can perform pretty well at matches when you don't take everything seriously. Um, that's where things got a hell of a lot easier for me. Uh, you know, one of my one of my sponsors invited me up to a match at a, at a certain range and we got this big squad together, a bunch of top shooters. And we're all kind of uh, hanging out. And he's like, man, I need you to do me a favor. These guys get really, really, really serious. I go, OK. And he goes, can you keep it lighthearted? Yeah, hell, why not? So uh, one of the shooters goes to and he's like, he's straight focused. Right. And so the minute he gets done shooting, I walk straight to a target and I just stand there. And I get the RO to walk over with me and stand there. It was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with it. But I waited until he got all the stuff put up. Like, hey, do you want to take a look at it? And he, I mean, literally drops. You got to be kidding me. And starts coming out there. I was like, yeah, dude, two alpha. Good shot, bro. And he's, he just looks at me like, oh, it's going to be like that. And I'm like, all weekend, buddy. Like, <laughs> it's going to be relentless all weekend. And then, you know, we turn around. And I think it was either the next year or whatever. You know, Fralick had gotten back from uh, Ipswick World Shoot. And like, you know, he'd made a couple comments about like with Ipsic, you know, it's really cool how they take things really, really serious. When you make ready, everybody gets quiet. I'm like, oh, we can't let this go. Like, mm-hmm. can't let it go. So I took one of the full size USPSA targets they had there. And I wrote quiet, please on one target on one side and then applause on the other. So when he goes to make ready, I held it up to make sure everybody was quiet. And then, you know, like it got silent and you could tell he kind of got uncomfortable because like, why did you get silent all of a sudden? And he turns around and he goes, oh, you're a dick. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I yes, am. I am. <laughs> like, love you to death, bud. But there was no way I was going to let that slide. So the minute that he finished the stage, I flipped the sign around to applause and everybody starts clapping. And he's, I mean, and he shot the stage fine. It didn't mess with him too much. But it was one of those things like, man, you got to lighten up a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you've been at the range when I'm there. I don't really have a whole lot of desire to take everything serious. It's, it's not going to be fun if I do. So, so I'm, I'm there to enjoy my time. Most of the matches I'm going to, there are zero of my sponsors that care if I finish first or fifth or 10th. Um, so the fact that I win or I win a prize, they don't care. Um, 
I shoot matches sometimes that don't have a prize table and I still don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I go, like, I do expect to have a good time, you know, and that kind of helps if you, you know, take the stick out of your backside. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of mentioned you go to the range to have a good time, but you know, and I've been on the receiving end of this and I think you're the only man that I would let touch my body. Uh, (laughs) you, you provide, a great service to those of us who are broken and, and, you know, have things wrong with us because you're a chiropractor. Yeah. We, we've, we've had a few of those instances at ranges in the past. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been doing that? And uh, you know um, what's your passion for it? Um, you know, so when I was in high school, I played football, I got hurt. Uh, when I got hurt, my mom took me the traditional route and she tried to take me to the chiropractor. And I said, I'm not going to go that quack. Uh, take me to the doctor. I go to the, the guy and I basically, I didn't really feel I got the, uh, the attention that I thought I deserved. Um, I did, you know, it was when you're just a kid, you got her playing football, suck it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, no, I'm hurting. I can't run. You know, I want to go play. She talks me into going and seeing a local chiropractor. Um, it was actually a friend of mine's dad. Uh, a friend of mine did not go into being a chiropractor. So it wasn't a family business type thing or anything like that. And I think he still practices to this day. Um, he adjusts my mid back, eh, whatever. He made some things pop. He adjusts my neck, eh, whatever. Might feel a little bit better. He puts me on my side, adjusts my low back. And I wanted to get up and beat him senseless because it hurt like hell. Um, but then I realized I'm up and it kind of feels pretty good. So I got down on the other side and let him adjust the other side of my low back. But I mean, I did, I, I want to hurt because um, it did, it hurt, right? Um, I was in pretty rough shape. So high school comes around. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was kind of a, a butthead. Um, I got in trouble. I got arrested. Uh, I mean, when I was in high school, I got a DUI. Uh, I got arrested multiple times. I kind of farmed up the uh, the football field with my truck because I didn't ha- didn't really like the head coach. Um, so I, I was I was probably heading the right way for either you're going to find some outlet for your energy. Or you're going to be going to the military and they'll find an outlet for it. Um, my mom kind of asked me, like, well, what do you want to do? And I kind of like, well, you know, I might do that chiropractor thing. It was kind of cool what that guy was able to do, you know. And uh, so I start into college. Uh, I meet my wife, I want to say, three weeks after 9-11. And for two of those three weeks beforehand, like, screw this shit. I'm out of school. I'm going to go do something else. I want to go shoot people in the face. And uh, my dad told me like, hey, uh, you should tell, you know, people who are already in are the ones who are going to get to do that. You're going to go in They're They're probably going to go through and put you to a test. They're going to see your scores. You're going to sit behind a computer or something else. And you're probably not going to get to do what you think that you're like, let the emotions cool. And of course, three weeks later, I meet my wife. Um, you, know, you start dating the pretty little blonde. Eh, priorities kind of shifted. Um, but I went through and kind of kept going down that path. Uh, I entered into you know college in 2001 graduated in 2009 at the end of the year uh started into business on my own in September of 2010 with a medical business uh, doing things a little bit different opened the chiropractic clinic at the beginning of 2011 and now I still run both of those two so medical side and chiropractic side in the combination of two we still do to this day that's pretty awesome yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. And I think everybody that has received services at matches for you, me especially, can thank you for your service on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I always appreciate it. And I, something that I know a lot of people worry about whether or not I you know, would get upset about it or if it bothers me and it, it really doesn't. Um, I, I know if I'm getting 75 emails tomorrow asking me about somebody's condition and look at my x-rays and all that stuff, it's a little different story. But uh, yeah, you know, you, you go through and something's killing you, we can at least talk to it. I mean, we have, I think uh, a couple of guys have walked up and like, hey, you know, I've got this, had this done, had this surgery. And I'm like, ah, there's no way I can, I can do anything with it. Mm-hmm. but you know, Hey, you might try some stretches here. It might loosen things up. You know, I'm still going to try and find you something, but, uh, but yeah, if I can help out, I'm usually more than willing to. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I just had extras taken in my back a few weeks ago. They're like, Oh, you have a compressed disc in your L5. That's pretty common in your line of work. Okay, yeah. cool. What's the next step? Like, just tell me what the next step is. Yeah. Um, because I know the chiropractor on base, he didn't do anything that really helped. He didn't manhandle me like you did. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to have me go through pain management, stuff like that. Maybe acupuncture, cortisol shots. Sure. Yeah. But- yeah we, we typically, um, so I herniated a disc when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so before I got into shooting, I got up to about 305, 310 pounds. I got pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was pretty small and I went to pick him up and realized I couldn't stand up, couldn't pick him up. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of double over and, and deal with him on the floor, stuff like that. Uh, I went through that whole process and the only thing that ever gave me relief, I did non-surgical spinal decompression. Mm-hmm. Um, the table that I ended up buying for my office is about 15 grand. Wow. Um, I bought it for me. The patients in the office also get to use it. Um, so it's kind of been a nice additive. We've been able to take people who you know, like, like you've got disc herniation, disc degeneration, in your low back, right? Um, mm-hmm. Cool. We've taken people who have a pretty severe disc herniation. They come in on a walker uh, at the age of like 45 and they'll come in every day, Monday through Friday. When they leave on Friday, they, they you know, they're walking out with a cane in their hand and they're not using it. Uh, and then when they walk in the next week, you know, we're, we're, we progress them from can't walk, can't function to like, in about three weeks or so, uh, you know, I got this little bit of pain in my low back. I'm like, well, you remember where you were three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. You know, your, your complaints now are pretty minor in comparison. That's it's called progress and we're still making our way there. But uh, we, we've been able to go through and do some pretty cool stuff with it. It's probably my favorite method for anybody who's dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things that it can be expensive. You know, if, if somebody in your area has it, you know, the, the, the old military discount things start coming to play you know like vets in the office here i think they pay like 20 bucks um old school when i was getting out of college i think it was 250 to 300 a session uh which you start talking about you know seven eight ten thousand dollar treatment plans um i i paid my table off and it's my table and it's for me so it's really cool and other people get to use it but frankly it's mine it's for me so that's kind of uh kind of my viewpoint and why it's a little cheaper where i'm at nice so we talk about injuries. We talk about getting older. You're 38. I'm 38. Yep. Uh, what do you do to kind of stay in shape, prepare yourself for matches and just, you know, keep getting at it as we continue to get older? Well, I've learned some lessons. Um, number one, if you're fat and you got a big belly, there are certain positions you just can't get into. Uh, there's no way you get around it. Reverse kneeling gets a lot harder, especially if you run or anything like that. So, you know, I've kind of been on 
trying to lose weight for the last you know few years and, and I've had some pretty good success with it at times uh, like I said I started way heavier before I ever got into three gun and uh, and and dropped a pretty sizable amount of weight since then but you know with that in mind I've managed to tear my Achilles twice in three gun uh, I've managed to tear my PCL and patellar tendon and get a bone bruise in my knee shoot USPSA and that's just you know that one's this year the other two are you know it's like 2016 2017. Uh, a buddy of mine, his wife's a, a PTT, and when we had a conversation, it was like, well, those are weekend warrior injuries, you know, when you tore your Achilles, how often do you run? I'm like, I don't run. I hate running. Like, well, then you can expect it to happen again. Crap. So uh, at the age of 38, I'm more active now than what I was at the age of 28. Um, I found out, you know, like, you, you learn some lessons about nutrition. You know, if I want to run and sprint, I don't want to go eat a big meal. At the same time, if you're on the range with me, you're probably going to notice that I'll finish a stage. I might have something as simple as a honey stick in my mouth just for just a little bit of calories just to keep me going. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have, um, you know, like a granola bar, something like that. You know, the nutrition during the match is definitely helpful. If you also start to figure out as you get older, it's real. It seems really easy to tear things and hurt things and then kind of be down for the day or down for the weekend. So I don't like to shoot a stage. If I'm cold, I'd like to get up and move around calf raises might, you know, take a walk, whatever it may be. So just to get my body warmed up. Uh, and then, you know, outside of that, you know, stretch and foam roll and stuff like that after the match. And then let's be honest, there's a lot of us who could benefit from jumping into things like CrossFit and even jumping into, you know, yoga. Um, a lot of the stuff that we have patients do stuff in the office is going to be yoga. You know, you're going to do this pose and I just, you know, there's, there's enough negative connotation around yoga because of some of the perceived religious type aspects, but I want you to lay on the floor. I want you to put your hands back halfway down your chest and I want you to arch your back and push your head up toward the ceiling and push your chest forward and your butt to the ground, uh, and raise your feet off the ground. Well, that's a yoga pose, but it's also a really good stretch for the lower abdominals. Yeah. You know, um, so if, if you're doing some of those things and keep in mind, you're going to have to do that more as you get older, then you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, I watched a guy literally tear half of his hamstring loose at a match, literally stone cold, uh, typical USPSA style issue of he was a GM. He, uh, didn't really reset a whole lot. So he wasn't up moving around and, you know, he went to go shoot a stage where you had to drop down to the ground and shoot under a wall and his hamstring just broke. He's broke free, uh, pulled a big ball of hamstring up by his butt. And of course, you know, set your open gun on the ground. We'll clear it for you. Uh, you're obviously done for the day. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was in bad shape, but yeah, I mean, if there was any kind of lesson from that, when you're resetting, you're keeping your body warm. So if I'm yelling at you for, you're not resetting, it's because I care, not because you're lazy. Maybe it's both either way. I'm probably going to yell at you if you don't reset. I would. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a simple, uh, it's a simple uh, etiquette. Reset. Yes. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has to do it. The match is going to go smoother and faster. No, yep. uh, to kind of go back to the fitness thing though, it's like, um, I think you were like this. I know I was like this. Uh you know, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I was, you know, 
I had, and I still have this book, but it was the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I lived by that book. I did nothing but do that type of exercises. And when I was younger, I felt good doing that. But uh, I think the, the biggest I ever got muscularly was 175, 180 pounds at 9% body fat. And I can sincerely say I did not feel good carrying around that weight. But once yeah. I started getting, once I got into the functional fitness side of things, you know, I was still in shape weighing 165, 175 pounds, still that same body fat percentage, but I was, I felt better. I was carrying around the right amount of weight. And so I, I don't know if I was doing a lot of the functional fitness stuff when I was in high school, but um, one of the coaches, <clears throat> one of the coaches that I did like um, was our, our linebacker coach. And, you know, I played linebacker and, and after I'd gotten hurt, everything else. He kind of went through, he's like, you know, um, flexible people don't get hurt like that. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, work on flexibility, everything else. And he goes, and then we went to talk through it. I was doing bench press, right? And I'm like, I really, really, really wanted to bench press 300 pounds when I was in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I could squat, you know, fairly well. And he's like, he goes, why would you want to bench press? You're a linebacker. He goes, you're not going to use it that often. He goes, you need to do hang cleans. So he walks over and, you know, basically teaches me how to do hang cleans. And, you know, next thing I know is it was four months later, I set the school record and what was being done hang cleans. I don't remember if it was 265, whatever it was. Um, of course, you know, the next year somebody <laughs> reset it again because mm-hmm. they, you know, followed the same advice. But at the time that really wasn't a big, big thing. But then I also, I, you know, I grew up on a farm. So whenever the summer came around and we were bucking hay, stuff like that, you're throwing alfalfa up into the bed of a truck. Um, that kind of made a little bit of a difference there too. Uh, now I look back and a lot of the stuff that I do for workouts now, like doing hang clean and snatch, I'm going like, you know, it's a little heavier than what I did with a bale of alfalfa, but it's a work movement, right? It's not an aspect of like, you know, eight months ago when I was in the gym, it's like, I'm going to sit down at this chair that's at a perfect 90 and I'm going to do shoulder presses with 40 pound weights. and I'm going to do 15 reps. And then I'm going to do 12 and then 10 then nine. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop set down kind of your, your bodybuilder style type, you know, workout where it's not necessarily heavy weight, but you're going to continue to push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. Um, that, that wasn't like a working set, you know, like, like what you might call functional fitness, if you will. And now changing things up, even in like the last month, I probably got more good workouts in the last month than what I got in the last eight months in the gym. You know, I mean, like literally lay on the floor when you're done, you get up and there's a sweat angel on the floor with an imprint of whatever that was on the back of your shirt, whatever match t-shirt I had on was on the floor, you know, um, it's, it's been good in that regard. So yeah. hopefully that pushes me a little bit higher up in the future. Oh yeah. I th- you're already a phenomenal shooter. It's just gonna, I think it'll help increase your longevity. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a, uh, I had a sponsor I parted ways with a few years ago and, uh, called me, um, kind of a low rent, another name, another shooter's name, and then told me I'd be out of the sport in five years. Well, that was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've only got one year left in the sport. So I got to make it a good one. Anything <laughs> after that's gravy. Absolutely. Yeah. Screw him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
crayons. Let's talk What's that? Crayon. Let's talk crayons. Crayons. <laughs> yes. Are you going to start bringing top shelf crayons to matches instead of going to Cracker Barrel and Perkins? So maybe. So see, I'm I'm a small business owner. So one of the one of the things that I think that makes me a, a better sponsor shooter for a lot of the sponsors I've got is I kind of understand what a return on investment is. So when I'm going to go get crayons, if I'm going to get crayons for one of the Marine shooters, I'm probably going to get off brand if I'm trying to play a little uh, psychological game. If I need an advantage to kind of, you know, get them off to the side, like they're probably getting something from Perkins or from Cracker Bell. Now, if I need a little bribery or a little help with something, that's where the Crayola's <laughs> come you know, That's where I'm going to spend the good money. Because I think uh, Scott got me. So – so since he beat me at Wisconsin, I think I should have been laying some, you know, some crayons out and kind of just distracting him on stages. Cause he, I mean, he, I mean, I don't can't remember how close it was, but he got me by a little bit and took second place. And, and I ended up in third. And like, I think if I would have sprinkled some crayons around, you know, I, I probably would have paid Crayolas to be in second. Well, I'll tell you this, I'll help you out here. When you need some bribery taken care of, just come to me and uh, I'll assist with that. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, other than that, uh, do you have any parting words for the listeners out there? It's always kind of an interesting question when that one comes up. Um, you're, you're always going to have the standard stuff of like, you know, go have fun, you know, internet matches, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, we're, we're kind of at a, an odd crossroads where there are a lot of people who think that the sport's kind of dwindling or it's on its edge. Yeah. Um, if you if you talk to some of us like me, Aaron Hayes, a few other guys would be like, you know, when we started, there was like five matches, 10 matches total, mm-hmm. and you couldn't get into half of them. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, my schedule, I think, had close to 20 matches on it between mostly three-gun, a couple USPSA, and a couple PRS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no shortage of matches going on now. That match may have 120 to 140 shooters instead of 300. Um, If some of those matches die off, guess what? People start going and traveling a little farther and going to some of those matches. Um, But if you look at the matches that are selling out now, um, if you look at Memorial, if you look at Texas three gun, the, you know, the matches that are, you know, they have a wait list. uh, I would argue that there's some of the things that they're doing that are right. Uh, Memorial is run by a really good group of guys. Uh, and I think that's that's a big part of it. They've got a good cause behind it. You know, uh, Jeff Kirkwood Memorial match that we, we went to here two weeks ago. Um, they give to that same foundation. Uh, that's where the money that's the raised goes there. They've got an awesome raffle going, by the way, which you can literally get a clone of my rifle. Uh, but with all that being said, there's some things that they do right. Um, there are some matches that attendance continually falls. I would argue that they do some things wrong. Mm-hmm. If you notice those things that are wrong, bringing them, them up to the match staff in the correct way is going to benefit both you and the match. There are people who are invited not to come back to matches because they bring it up the wrong way. They mm-hmm. say things that uh, instead of going through and talking to the match staff and, you know, a cooling period, give them a week to kind of get their head straight after putting a major match on. If you've never put a major match on, it is a toll on your body and your mind. Yes. Um, take a week 
and then go through and be like, hey, guys, uh, I noticed this, this, and this, and um, I've got some concerns about this. I think this would help you in the future. And and I kind of revert back to, uh, I don't know if you ever got to shoot Fallen Brethren. I um, so Fallen Brethren was, was one of my favorite matches that I got to shoot every year. Okay. We shot a match one year, and all the targets were painted black, and they were not repainted during the entire match. And it was, uh, it was an aspect that people complained the year before that they were painted white, but they were only painted at the very end of the day. So the targets changed colors throughout the day, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to paint them black, and they, for the most part, stay black. Okay, you, you made that point arguably more equitable. But then targets were kind of, you know, they were in areas where, like, if the sun changed, like, shadows would literally, you would stare at a target that's next to a tree, and you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And so I waited about a week after. Um, I sent an email over to the match director, Jim Smith, um, you know, literal war hero, uh, you know, his, his pedigree in that part is, is not questionable to just about anybody who knows. Him. Uh, I sent it over and it's like, Hey, you know, here's, here's who I am, right? Competition shooter. I'm not military. I'm not law enforcement. Uh, I'm looking at this as this is why I come to my money. I love your range. I love your match. I love the area. I love the food there. Uh, we go to Sweetie Pies, Rear Vibes, and Babes Chicken every time we're in that area. Uh, we literally plan this out a year in advance the minute the match is over. Here's what I think is a problem, and here's how I think you can fix it. And they went from doing that to making a, a, a very small change. It's, it's one of the first matches where we ever saw the corrugated plastic backers on the targets. And when I explained it to them the reason why to do that, is that everyone who walks up to that stage should have a relatively equitable chance to find the targets. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about rain or wind or, you know, even like the sun in your face or at your back, things like that are going to change. And, and I've seen where the sun literally came out and the rain went away for Jerry to shoot. And then the minute Jerry was done shooting, the rain came back, someone went away. And it's like, listen, yeah, he made a deal with God, God backed him up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I should at least be able to find the targets. And they made that change. And here's, here's the difference. When we showed up that next year and they made that change and everybody was talking about how great the match was and like, man, you could find all the targets on the stage and you at least, whether you clean the targets or not, you at least knew where they were, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, match is over. And instead of being like, hey, I'm going to have these five people stand. These are the assholes who came through and yelled about the match last year, blah, blah, blah. They're invited not to come back. It was, they had five or six of us stand up. And it was like, listen, these are people who went through, if you like the changes to the match, these were the people who stood up and had the balls to come forward and give constructive criticism on how to make it better. Not bitch about what happened, what they liked, what they didn't like, but how to make it better, right? If you can do that and give constructive criticism, and then keep in mind, you may have constructive criticism that makes no sense whatsoever. Don't be offended if, you're, if your criticism isn't taken as the gold standard. But if you're offering it as constructive criticism, you're going to get a good reception from any match director who's worth their weight and salt, right? So if you go through and you talk to Aaron Hayes and like, hey, bud, if you consider this, this might make an improvement. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, another good example, Jeremy Moore is one of the first guys I know who went through and said, you know what, screw this. I'm buying match packs of Magneto Speed Target Hit Indicators, right? All those red flashy lights that we love on our long range steel. Yep. One of the first people I knew of who bought those, him and I had a conversation of like, dude, I love shooting long range. I love a match with a lot of rifle and long range, but I mean, there's too many arguments between ROs and shooters. Mm-hmm. And 
this eliminates it. If it flashes red, both of us saw it. If it didn't flash red, you're not arguing with me. Mm-hmm. And I'll call hit if it doesn't flash red, but I see a hit and I'm going to give it to you. But no more arguing. You know, I used to stand behind at least one or two shooters that I knew had a, a tendency to yell at ROs. And I'd stand there with my own binoculars. I'd stand right behind them and listen to them berate an RO and talk about like, oh, that was a hit. That was a hit. You got to be kidding me. And then I'd go through and was like, the minute they were done, they'd unload show clear and they'd want to start unloading on the arrows. Like, man, you were chewing a hole in the ground, six inches left and low. Every shot, like, man, I guarantee you there's a two inch group out there, 400 yards of all your bullets that missed that target, six inches left and low. They might've been 10 inches, right? They might've been high, but I know they didn't hit, but I was going to eliminate that argument the minute they got up because number one, don't yell at an RO like that. But number two, it shouldn't have happened to begin with. And now that we have resources like that, Make a suggestion. It might make an improvement. You never know. That may become a new USPSA multi-gun rule and a new rule book in 2012 or 2022 that becomes a standard for everyone that's used after. Make the suggestion. Be constructive about it. Leave the drama off the internet on stupid stuff like that. Um, but, you know, that, that would be my one thing for most of the shooters as far as, like, you're attending matches. Pay attention. Make constructive criticism. Give them a little time before you give it. You know, we have a thing in the military. If you have a problem with something, don't just come to the person with the problem. Provide them a viable solution to fix that problem. Yeah. Because if you're just giving them a problem, you are now part of the problem. You're not giving any criticism on how to fix it. So you ever seen the movie Step Brothers? Yes. Been a long hey, time. You know when he goes to go work for his brother, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I think is it, is it Rob Riggles is the, uh, you know, the guy, the wapow or whatever, right? Might have been. Uh, it's so been a while. There, there's a point where he comes into the room and he says, you know, hey, you've done a good job of blah, blah, blah. He goes, uh, but if you don't fix your face, I'm going to fix it for you. Right. Doesn't tell him what's wrong with his face. He just tells him he doesn't like his face. Yeah. That's the same thing that sticks in my head. Every time somebody comes up and they want to piss and moan about something, but they don't have any solution to offer. They just don't like it. Okay. Well, yeah, you're, you're telling me to fix my face. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you don't like how my face looks. Yep. you're not telling me I should shave my beard that I would look better with a you know shorter beard, longer beard. What? No, you're not giving me a solution. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just bitch. You know, drama doesn't help anything. No, it just brings people even further apart. Yeah, it typically, uh, if you're going to go and throw drama at it, I'm usually going to be like, all right, I'm done listening. Yep. You know, you, you obviously don't like what you have. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was a match that, you know, both you and I have attended in the past and shooters would make complaints. And the director at one point in time looked at one and said, well, this probably just isn't the match for you. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, and, and it was, you know, I'm not saying that the complaint wasn't valid because I think it was, but did you offer a solution? If you don't offer a solution, like, what do you really expect? Yep. You know, like, no, this is obviously the match for you. You're complaining about everything. You didn't offer anything on how to fix it. Just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't come back next year. We'll still have the match. Mm-hmm. We'll still put it on. We'll be fine. You won't be here, but we'll be fine. Yep. It'll go Versus on. you offered a solution. They're like, you know what? That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we don't like that idea. Okay. Then you're still not coming back, but at least you made an effort. Yep. So, but uh, rub a few people the wrong way, but that would be my suggestion as to, uh, you know, if you're if you're already resetting stages, 
and uh, doing things you're supposed to do as far as etiquette goes at a match, then that would be the next thing I would tell most shooters. No, I appreciate that. I think they all need to hear that. Now, whether but, they abide by it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dylan, thank you for your time. I appreciate oh, you, you. Uh, doing this. Um, and to the listeners out there, please tell us how we're doing. Give us feedback. Uh, if there's an issue, give us a solution. Uh, we'll, I'll do my best. Uh, but Thank you and have a good one.